You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you tuned in today. Today, I want to wrap up this series on the nine ways to follow Jesus. We've talked about each of the nine ways, love, repentance, obedience, prayer, scripture, community, generosity, service, and making disciples. And I'd love to ask you to consider, are you following Jesus in these nine ways? So the big picture is that at Carterville several years ago, we we realized that if we don't guard our hearts, we'll find out that we are sort of going through religious rituals. We are what some people might call a cultural Christian. You know, we, we show up at church, but God is not really in charge of our lives. We really don't let him shape us daily into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we started to search the scriptures to find distinctives that set apart the Jesus followers from the Pharisees um, or other religious opponents of Jesus. We recognized that lots of people could be religious, but that did not mean that they were being transformed by God. And the nine ways are our focus because these nine things seem to be distinct in the way that Jesus taught them for his followers as opposed to the way that we see them expressed in the chief priests or other religious leaders that were not following Christ. Well, I want to share a story today from John's Gospel, chapter 5. It's one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of John. I love it. Um, I don't know why it doesn't stand out. It's just a teaching. Jesus is interacting with opponents, with Jewish opposition. And I want to just reiterate that every person that is challenging Jesus in this text was very religious. They all had belief in God. They all had a fear of God. They all submitted to Scripture. They all went to worship. They all offered sacrifices and prayers to God. They all did their best to follow the law. Well, anyway, but I just want to use this passage to reiterate the main point of these nine ways. So I hope you'll enjoy the ride as we share devotion together um, from John chapter 5. John's talking about testimonies for Jesus. And he's writing about this knowing that uh, the Jewish opposition to Jesus didn't believe the validity of that of his being the Messiah. And so it's almost as if it's almost as if you come to this moment where there's this sort of uh, a courtroom, a divine courtroom, and the witnesses are being called on Jesus' behalf. And there's going to be a bunch of them listed, the scriptures, John the Baptist, miracles. Well, let me read the story and I'll let you hear the point. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 31. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, that would be John the Baptist, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. This is really neat to me because Jesus acknowledges that in a Jewish court, um, a self-witness is not valid. You need two witnesses, and So he acknowledges that he's not his only witness, and he calls first John the Baptist. And it's neat to me that Jesus acknowledges, I don't need a human witness, but I'll call John the Baptist. So crowds followed John the Baptist. John's preaching was starting revival. John was speaking the truth prophetically and powerfully of God. Well, anyway, Jesus also lets you know that the reason he's pointing you to 
John the Baptist is that he really wants people to be saved. Even those hard-hearted religious opponents of his, he wanted them to be saved. He talks about John in verse 35. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. So at least for those who enjoyed the light that John put out, the teachings and the, the pathway that John illuminated, at least they should believe in John's witness for Jesus. Jesus will move to a second testimony. I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish. The very works I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. In other words, Jesus says, I've you know, done miraculous signs and good works. My teachings, my healings, my miracles. These things were given to me by God as testimony that I am legitimate. It's interesting that even, even these testimonies from God could be rejected by those who chose to not have faith. Verse 37, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. So Jesus is even acknowledging that God the Father has testified to his, on his behalf. In the other Gospels, you have a scene where Jesus is baptized by John, and you hear the Father in heaven say, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. But Jesus is acknowledging that the Pharisees or the chief priests that are opposing him on this particular day in John chapter 5, they are not hearing the voice of God. That's scary to me because it reminds me that even as religious people, we can be going through religious motions. We can be cultural Christians and not hear the voice of God. We cannot have given our spirit over to God's Holy Spirit so that he could rule over us or lead us. That's scary. Well, the, the next verse is really interesting to me because Jesus starts to talk about the testimony of the Scripture. Verse 38, Nor does his word dwell in you because you do not believe the one he sent. You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. So Jesus points out that these religious opponents of his, they diligently study the scriptures. And in fact, they think the scriptures will give them eternal life. Ironically, they're so close because the scriptures do point them to eternal life. The scriptures point them to Jesus. You know, one of the nine ways to follow Jesus is the youth of scripture. And this is a great passage to point out. It's not that the religious opposition, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, it's not that they didn't read the scriptures. They did. It's that they read them wrongly. And I don't know about you, but even as you go into the scriptures, are you allowing God to use the scriptures to change your life daily? Are you reading the scripture with the aid of the Holy Spirit, submissive to the word of God? Or is it just sort of a religious duty? Or even worse, are you reading them so that you can win an argument or so that you'll have knowledge or biblical education that will set you apart in church or in your friend group? Well, Jesus is pointing out that all these witnesses, including the scriptures, are trying to point people to him to give more life so that people could be changed by Jesus. And ultimately, the thing that I want to point out about the nine ways to follow Jesus so far is that they're not an end in themselves. They're not trying to just make you a different type of religious person. No, these are nine ways that we test to see if we're following Jesus because he's really the point of the nine ways. He's the point of discipleship and he's the point of our faith.
And so I want to ask you, are you going through religious motions or are you abiding in Christ? Are you being changed by Jesus? I'll finish the passage. Verse 41, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I, I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. And you know that love was one of the nine ways. Here are these religious people that claim to worship God, that read the scriptures daily. Some of them have official offices in their church, that is, in the Jewish temple. And yet the love of God is not in their hearts. Just a scary reminder to me that we can be very, very religious and not be changed. We can be very religious and not even have the love of God in our hearts, not read the scriptures properly. So I'll keep reading here. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from only God? It's easy in religious circles for us to become accustomed to just giving each other glory. A good preacher who's preaching out of his own flesh, a good religious person who's keeping all the rules, And we pat each other on the back and we say, oh, you're a good upstanding person. You're an excellent deacon. You're a good pastor. You're a good Sunday school teacher. Or even at your funeral, we'll say all these nice things about you. But the ultimate question is, are you following Jesus? Is the love of God in your heart? Like, are you receiving praise from God himself? Are you giving praise to God himself? Or are we stuck in the machinery of ritual religion where we're just patting each other on the back and going through cold and dead motions? That's not what we want at Carterville. Jesus told these Pharisees something that I think is pretty powerful. Keep in mind that they claim to follow the law of Moses and they think that they're pleasing Moses. They even think that calling Jesus a blasphemer would probably be something that Moses would be proud of. But look at what Jesus said in verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses on whom your hope is set. In other words, you know, when you die and stand before the Lord, I won't even have to raise a finger to accuse you. It will be Moses who says, you read the scriptures wrong. You missed everything I wanted you to see. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for Moses wrote about me. But since you did not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Well, this example of religious people in the first century who followed Moses and read his scriptures and didn't follow them to the end, which is Jesus, it's a good reminder for us that we don't want to be caught in the same trap. We don't want to just be religious. We don't want to be cultural Christians. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be transformed into his image. And so church family, I just want to encourage you today. Could you make an intentional decision to follow Jesus and not just to be religious? Would you be changed, transformed into the image of Jesus? Our faith really is a relationship. It really does begin with new birth in Christ. It really does depend on the power of God's Spirit changing us from the inside out. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, that's everything for us. It's where we started. It's where we refined the power for forgiveness and life and resurrection. So, church family, I'm just pushing you today. Are you stuck in a religious rut? Or are you following Jesus? Are you being changed? Well, I want to encourage you. Use the nine ways that we've talked about. Love, repentance, obedience, prayer, scripture, community, generosity, service, and making disciples. Use the nine ways to help evaluate your walk with Christ and to remind you to follow Jesus. These nine ways are great tests and excellent tools to help make sure that you and I aren't stuck in the rut 
of cultural Christianity. Church, let's follow Jesus. Let's make disciples for the glory of his name. Thanks a lot for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I'm glad that you did. I want to encourage you, if this episode was useful to you, let's let's multiply this platform. Let's spread uh, the word. So if this is a devotion that's touched you or been helpful in any way, share it with other friends in the church or friends in the community. Uh, let's share this from John chapter 5 with as many people as would need to hear it. God bless you. Thanks a lot for being on mission today. 